You've made it to Not Billable, the Law Trades podcast that brings you bite-sized legal and business news updates, full event replays, and conversations with legal pros about what's going on behind the scenes every week. Stop the clock, put the timesheet down, it's time to get started. Hey everybody, I'm Oren Pellet from Law Trades, back with another weekly news update, joined as always by my good friend Matt Margolis. Matt, tell the good people how you're doing. Living the dream. Living the dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, let's jump into what we are covering this week. So first of all, we're going to talk about Adam Newman, who finds himself with another billion-dollar startup. Then we're going to talk a little bit about TikTok, which has a fresh new privacy battle on its hands. And the FTC is going after crypto exchanges, so that'll be an interesting talk. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about the shakeup at Black Girls Code and also how to deal with politically sensitive cases. So let's jump in, first of all, with this Adam Neumann Adam Newman. I never know how to say his name. I don't either. Uh, I I, I couldn't even correct you if I wanted to. Yeah. Neumann (laughs) Newman. I'm sure one of our listeners will let us know. So he has a new venture. So first of all, let's set the scene. This man failed spectacularly out of his, what was at one point, a $43 billion startup, WeWork. By September of 2019, he was pushed out and fired. There was all sorts of Claims of self-dealing and, and sure. like legal questions and, and SoftBank was suing and a whole mess. Well, cut to... Yeah. Hmm? Well, needless to say, the only thing I'll add is, I mean, think about it. Like, it was such a tremendous ordeal that you got Jared Leto to play him. I mean, like, it, <laughs> and Anne Hathaway came in, too. I mean, like, this was that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, Jared Leto uh, graced us with one of the worst, uh, I will say this as an Israeli myself, one of the worst Israeli accents I've ever seen <laughs> Anyway... <laughs> Back to what we're discussing. <laughs> so That's he's awesome. back now. <laughs> yep. He has a new startup called Flow, and there seems to be very, very, very few details on what Flow is, other than uh, Newman bought some 3,000 apartment units since he's left WeWork. But that being said, Andreessen Horowitz, which is one of the biggest, most prestigious VC firms in the Valley, maybe in the world, mm-hmm has put $350 million into this venture, despite the fact that it's Adam Newman, despite the fact that it's in uh, residential real estate. And now with that investment, Adam Newman has a billion dollar startup again. It's it's like pre-revenue. It's like, it's like a napkin idea. It just doesn't. Well, I mean, I can't, let me backtrack. It's not a napkin idea because I think currently he's one of these, he's a massive landlord, owns a lot of properties. 3,000 units. Oh yeah. yeah. Down in Miami, I think he's got a bunch. So he already has like, the real estate, which he's the landlord already, that he could just convert. I mean, what is the difference between this and we live? I mean, based on at least this, right. the limited information we've been provided, what's the difference here? And we live right. failed just as bad as all the other ventures that stemmed out of WeWork. So I, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what we're doing here. Literally, I don't know what flow is. I don't know why Andreessen Horowitz decided this was a good idea and we're going to put our name behind it. And so many people who are not, you know, white men are coming in and saying, hold on a second. Why does he get a second chance? When I don't even get a first chance. When I don't even get a first chance. Exactly. And this $350 million investment, an investor named Catherine Finney wrote that it's a slap in the face. She's a, she's a woman. uh, She's a black woman, an entrepreneur, wrote that it's a slap in the face to female founders, black entrepreneurs, and other marginalized people. And she noted that in the second quarter of 2022, the entire investment Black startups was $324 million versus Andreessen Horowitz put three fifty. Just one investment. Well, I, crazy. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's, I was, really, that's all I can say to that. Yeah. It, it, it's I, the only thing I'll say that's just in the favor of, of Adam Newman is he knows how to hype up 
these things that generally speaking should not be hyped up. I mean, effectively, WeWork is what? Just like a very hip version, very hyped up version of a Regis, right? It's the same thing. So I guess there is value to that, right? Where he can take these things that are traditionally not, call it a sexy product, a sexy industry that he could hype up. I'm giving, sure. listen, I'm trying. Laura. But I'm trying. No, I, look, I hear that. And that's that seems to me, yeah. uh, I may be very cynical of the Valley, but that seems to be the game in the Valley, right? Is that you hype something up, and then it goes public and you make a, a hell lot of money off of it and you go on to the next thing. But we're coming out of the era of Elizabeth Holmes. We're coming out of the era of WeWork's crash. We're coming out of this era where like, listen, maybe this needs to be tightened down a little bit. And then Andreessen Horowitz comes in and says, nope, we're still in it. It's interesting. I, right? I need, we need more details. We need to know what's different than we live. What's different than being, <laughs> what is it like? It's like an apartment complex with a bunch of like beer taps and like nitro taps like <laughs> oh wow there's ping pong oh sleep pods yeah. whoa the future i need to know what there's more here there's got to be something i'm hoping there's an edge that makes more sense i hope yeah. there's something and even if it is why do we trust this guy why do we trust this guy to run another company well i mean listen i mean Who knows? I, I, the last thing i'll say is look for 300 and whatever 20 30 million dollars that's peanuts compared to how much production costs could really be i mean for a sequel to we crashed I mean, it's, it's well worth the investment. So what you're, you're saying is Dries and Horowitz works for HBO or was it? <laughs> it's Apple TV, it's actually. Apple TV They're ready for it. Yeah. yeah. Listen, <laughs> smart. It's when all about TV, man. Yeah. yeah. The investment firm of, uh, of Leto Hathaway invested $350 million. <laughs> did, how did they get production credits this early in the startup? I don't understand. <laughs> so strange. Uh, <laughs> Well, moving on uh, to another big name in the Valley. Uh, some research came out by a former Google engineer who became a privacy researcher. It came out that TikTok in their web browser can track every keystroke that you make. So just to kind of clarify what that is, when you're in TikTok and you hit a link that takes you out of TikTok to something else, it opens a browser in TikTok, right? It's not your Chrome or whatever it is you yep. use. It's the browser within TikTok. So in that browser... TikTok, yeah, sorry, is, is tracking all your keystrokes or has the capability to. They, they've said that they're not, that this is for troubleshooting, that this is whatever, that they're not tracking you. Sure. Who's to say? Who's to say? Sure. But again, this, this brings up fresh concerns over, over where is our data going? What are they doing with it? Uh, who has access to it? If it's not an American company, what's going on with that? We're right back in it. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, this has been a concern raised in the past that that China, because of, is it ByteDance, it, the parent company or the Chinese company? Yes. Yes. Because the Chinese government has access to it. So that I think that's the biggest concern. Granted, I, I would not be shocked. I'm sure someone will correct me in a comment to this, but I would not be shocked if Facebook, if, if Twitter, if any other social media platform has a very similar, at least has the capabilities to do such, to inject this code and then they can go into whatever or at least key log or, key, or check the keystrokes and make sure they know exactly where you're going and what have you. I wouldn't be shocked, but that being said, those companies are American-based, where you have a Chinese company that's, I, I don't want to say at adverse to the United States, because I, I never will say that, at least until something adverse occurs, but a foreign company or a foreign corporate, oh my gosh, my brain is fried today. You could tell by me drinking the Congress, foreign country, <laughs> that you know could ultimately use that information to cause chaos. I think we're thinking probably more in the vein of like Russia, right? Where Russia is a foreign actor that right. 
took advantage of social media and, and caused chaos in our elections and what have you. So I, I get the concern. I definitely get the concern. Fine. I get the concern as well. Uh, but again, the fact that the, the ire of the public, of politicians, of the rest of Silicon Valley has fallen onto TikTok, have they become the boogeyman du jour? Just because they're yes, yeah, just because they're foreign, just because of their quick ascension to power. Uh, I would say yes, definitely. Like right, if you're outside of the social media companies, right, definitely understand the concern because TikTok has risen to power. Especially if you're a social media company where your biggest competitor is TikTok, because we've talked about this in the past, Oren, about people are getting their information now from TikTok as opposed to Google. People are utilizing Google or uh, TikTok so much that Instagram is shaping its model to be like TikTok. I'd be nervous. Not only am I nervous, and you get to use this and maybe potentially hide the fact that you're doing the same thing and say, oh my gosh, look at them. They are run or owned by the Chinese government, or at least Chinese government has some level of control here. Right. And it does take away some of the heat from some of these companies that are doing the same thing just on American soil. And you'll remember, what was it, earlier this year or last year when it was revealed that Meta, Mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram, had literally hired a political consulting firm to conduct a smear campaign against TikTok to say that, look what they're doing and how bad they are. And the trends, even the the, the nefarious trends that they were creating. Yeah, I remember the teens, the the youth, youth. what is the youth doing? Yeah. (laughs) The youth. Yeah. So even if there is some merit to these concerns, who's to say that these other companies aren't doing the exact same thing and and TikTok has just become the boogeyman. Great. Well, all right. Okay. So our our last major story here, uh, and this is pretty interesting is FTX, which is now the largest, I believe, crypto exchange, right? Just like the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, they're a crypto exchange. FTX and a few other companies have been making, have been very loose in their language and making either outright claims or suggesting that their accounts are FDIC insured. Now, they are definitively not. They are not. Let's just clear that up. They are definitively not FDIC insured. And so... The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, sent a cease and desist letter to five companies, including FTX US, and said, stop this immediately. You cannot use this language. And then Brett Harrison, who is the president of FTX US, said, oh, what I meant to say, I'm so sorry, was that if you put your federal, your, your US dollars into one of our accounts, the US dollar is held in a bank that is FDIC insured. Nobody was questioning that. So what I'm saying is there's not cigarette smoke in the air. It, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, you, you, there's air around it and you're breathing the air <laughs> and cigarette smoke may be around. It's like these weird angles that you're taking here. Like, like you can't use the transitive property to, to justify away a statement you made that was not true. Right. <laughs> and these aren't dumb guys. And we'd mentioned this before we, we started recording here. Sam Bankman Fried, who is the president, who is the founder and CEO of, of all FTX. Both of his parents are Stanford law professors. He has a very strong understanding of the law and, and a, a strong legal team. As I said, I'm sure he's got a, a GC and a, a number of legal, especially for an exchange of this caliber. They must have New York, LA, San Fran, Miami attorneys on deck that are advising on any sort of representations you make outside of the company. Yes. Representations you make to the SEC. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. It is. Yes. So... Does this read to you as FTX kind of dipping their toe in the water of what they can get away with? Or no, I, I think I think people make these. Let me backtrack. I think people say things without consulting their attorneys, especially in industries that are super hyped up. I mean, keep in mind this was published via a tweet. This was through social media, and it's just these things just get popped out so quickly. You don't think about it. 
or you think about it and you're in, you're just mistaken, right? I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here. And then on Twitter, you can't delete it. Or sorry, you could delete it, but you can't edit it. And then someone's going to screenshot it before you do. And then boom, it's out there forever. So I think it was an error. I think it was just an error of judgment as it relates to the tweet. But you got to watch out. You got to watch out. In this industry, especially in this time when crypto is on the verge of likely being heavily regulated by the SEC, you cannot make representations of these caliber. So, I mean, or else... People are going to get angry. You're going to see actions filed and you're going to see, you know, true chaos like you're already seeing because of um, Celsius and some of the other players in the industry that are uh, that Luna are that we talked about. Yep, Terra Luna. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, if Goldman or, or JP Morgan said some sort of patently false claim about their products, uh, they'd be much, much, much deeper. Uh, they'd be facing much more heat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I think it's it's. We're past the point where crypto needs to start being regulated more intensely. Yep. For sure. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, okay. So some of the smaller stories we're looking at this week. So first of all, Kimberly Bryant, who is the founder and CEO of Black Girls Code, uh, has been officially fired from the company uh, by its board. Now, she, as we just mentioned above with the uh, Adam Newman story, mm-hmm. it's kind of few and far between to have women, women of color, in the tech space. So for her to be let go, uh, it's kind of a, a big deal because she was one mm-hmm. of the only people in the Valley that she was representing a, a community. That being said, she's already filed a lawsuit in federal court claiming not only was this a wrongful suspension, but that one of the board members, Heather Hiles, mm-hmm. had a conflict of interest in that, quote, she wanted to gain control of over $30 million in donated philanthropic funds. That's an allegation. Yeah. That's an allegation. Yeah. <sighs> so... For, com- for a little bit of context for listeners, directors and officers have a, uh, well, directors, board of directors have a duty of care and a duty of loyalty. So what, what's being alleged here is a violation of duty of loyalty. And that's a cognizable claim that you can assert against the board suing, you know, there's different ways. I'm not going to get into like how to sue a public company or how to sue a <laughs> private company board, but just know that that's what she's alleging effectively is you violated your duty of loyalty. So just so I'm clear about that. So that means, let's say uh, I'm already the CEO of a, of a horse feed company and I'm sitting on the board of, of something that's in conflict of interest to that I have to give up my loyalty to my horse feed company when I'm sitting on the board of, of this other company. Correct. You can't exactly you, you can't do something that would benefit you personally that would that would harm your company because you have that duty to the company. Actually, that's probably that's probably the best example where it's like, hey, I've got this interest in something. Or listen, maybe you hear about a deal for yourself that you would benefit from it, but it's a deal that your company would benefit for. There's this whole thing, and and there's a number of disclosures that need to come into place. And everyone needs to be listen. If everyone's aware of it, and it's voted on, and it's okay, and it's not a true conflict, or you know, there's a number of issues. I'm, I'm basically talking myself into like a whole DNO lawsuit. So let me back up a second. Yes. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm like, the lawyer brain never stops, right? I'm like thinking, I'm like, huh, what is this hypothetical that I could create that eventually will be tested in a law school? That's a great idea. There you go. All right. Well, the last story we have here, and this is kind of an interesting brain exercise, is the New Yorker is asking the question if a president, current or past, uh, should get special legal treatment, especially in a politically sensitive case. I think we can all pinpoint exactly what they're referencing. Yeah, Jimmy Carter. And it's in Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> we, we're getting to it. It's about high time Jimmy Carter faced uh, the court of law. <laughs> Listen, shouldn't have given it up. 
<laughs> we all knew Jimmy Carter was up to no good. That's what it was. That's what it uh, was. No, if, I mean, listen, it, it, no. The answer, at least my answer is no. No president should receive special treatment after, after a presidency, right? If a crime has been committed, they need to be treated just as, because you have to, I mean, listen, we have to honor the, the rule of law. Uh, otherwise, why do you get special treatment if you're, yeah, you're a former president, but you're a president that no longer is in office? Right. And if the, if the, if the, the creation of the presidency was supposed to be so we don't have a king and now you have someone who is effectively mm-hmm. trying to be above the law, then what are we doing? And I mean what that, listen, it? and I don't mean that partisanly. I mean that at any president. Course, I, I can yeah. say that affirmatively. Right. Any elected official. Once that's it. So well, uh, my thoughts on that. You and I were just talking about this again before we started recording, but it seems like there needs to not only be a stronger, our system of checks and balances don't seem to be coming into play as much as we'd like to have thought they were going to be in a situation like this. Yep. And you and I were talking before, this system of executive privilege, we're, we're starting to play fast and loose with who gets it, what it covers, all of Basically, it. we've ran under this theory of like, well, if we have this system in place where the rules are like not fully defined, but like we all kind of know what the rules are, everyone's just going to honor it, right? Because it's an honor system. And we're starting to come to the conclusion that maybe you should have defined terms and guardrails in place because no one's going to honor it. So the, in the th- in executive privilege is a good example. So what's being asserted effectively is almost like anything is executive privilege. I've talked to an advisor, executive privilege. The documents are executive. So there is a fundamental problem with that. I know that I believe former President Trump has already received letters from the government saying like this is not how executive privilege works. But you run into a scenario where like anyone, any advisor, advisor, right? In quotations could be, um, could be brought in. And then all of a sudden I had this executive privilege over it. Right. And the running joke I have with my friends is like, if you talk to somebody who's an attorney and you're telling them like, maybe like a funny secret, you're like, Hey, you're my attorney, right? To get attorney client privilege. <laughs> so that that's the problem you run into. And yes, I think going forward, there's a lot of mechanisms in place that need to be fully defined with guardrails in place. Right. Because the honor system is is not going to fly anymore. We clearly have people who who don't abide entirely by that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right to say that Rudy Giuliani, who was not an elected official, is not the president's attorney, but the personal attorney to Trump, mm-hmm. gets executive privilege. That Steve Bannon, that I don't know, that yeah. the the third cousin of the you know the it, yeah. it's it's all over the place. You, you can't. Agreed. How do you hold anyone accountable? No. And and you got to think to the future. I don't care who you are, if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent Party, whatever. It can, now we know it could happen. It can 100 percent happen. So exactly. we need to make sure. Going, yeah. yeah exactly. I, don't, I don't care what your party is. It's it's something that needs to be addressed. Right. And and handled. Well, on that note, <laughs> thanks as always for for talking me through these, Matt. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. And I guess see you next week, man. See you next week. All right. Take care. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out also on LinkedIn and Twitter to keep up to speed with what we're doing. Catch you on the next one.